0: You're listening to the Daily Missioner Podcast with Benedict. We were talking yesterday about what happens if there's too much rain. Is it possible to pray that the rain will stop? And Honey, the circle maker, absolutely, he refuses. He says, look, uh, not unless there's a... Um, not unless there's a flood that washes away an enormous rock am i gonna pray for less rain but sometimes the rain falls when we're in the middle of the fast and the the third chapter of the mishnah actually ends on this kind of hopeful note you know what happens if hey the rain starts falling suddenly they're fasting and rain falls everything is good if the rain falls before sunrise, yashlimu. they don't complete the fast. If it falls after these, after sunrise, they complete it. And we've already learned that the kind of the the bit of the fast, which is which is sort of ubiquitous, which is indivisible, is the day fast. Some of the fasts only last during the day. So may, maybe the view is, look, you know, the far, I think Rashi has this view that the, the serious bit of the fast doesn't start until until sunrise. But Rabbi Eliezer is going to disagree. And by the way, according to the Rambam, we're going to follow Rabbi Eliezer. So very unusually, the Halakha is actually going to follow Rabbi Eliezer in this case. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Kodem Lachatzot, Lo Yashlimu. If it rains before noon, they don't complete the fast. And it feels as if the big meal in those days was noon. In other words, you wouldn't really start fasting until noontime. I don't think these guys had, I mean, I mean, you know, I think their economics were a bit different from ours. They didn't have a big breakfast. So Rabbi Yez says, uh, if, if it rains before noon, they don't complete the fast. After noon, they do complete it. It once happened. They decreed a fast in Lod. We've heard, we know about Lod. Um, I think Rabbi Yahushua used to live around Lod. Um, I think Rabbi Ya'kiva used to live around Lod. Anyway, we're going to find out that Rabbi Tarfon used to live around Lod. This is clearly a rabbinic area and it's close to Yavne. Why not? So they decreed a fast in Lod. And rain fell before noon. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, we should not fast. According to the first source in the Mishnah, we should. Amar Rabbi Tarfon. Rabbi Tafon says to them, Go out and eat and drink and have a holiday. And they went and they ate and they drank and they made a holiday. And they came back at dusk and they read the great Hallel. And I mean, not I guess not just the Rambam tells us that the Halakha follows Rabbi Eliezer, but seeing that Rabbi Tafon is backed up by a a story, seeing that that Rabbi Eliezer is backed up by a story about Rabbi Tafon. And that is the end of the discussion. That seems to be definitive in terms of the way the Mishnah operates. And the Mishnah then goes on to say, what is the great Hallel? It's really interesting that, okay, we have the great Hallel in the Haggadah, and we saw, saw it actually in the Mishnah Pesachim. The Mishnah Pesachim knows what the great Hallel is. It's, it's but the Mishnah here gives it a slightly different description. It starts from the second Pasuk. Praise the God of gods for his love is eternal. Praise the Lord of lords for his love is eternal. It starts off picking up the great how just one Pasuk after the pasuk we know, maybe because they don't want the right God's name, perhaps, in the manuscript of the Mishnah, in case it should get destroyed. And sure enough, the Rambam Maimonides, in his commentary, comes and gives the verse that we're familiar with. Halel Hagadol hu l'ashem ki ad shir hamalot. The Rambam says, the great halal is from the first verse we know, praise the Lord for he's good. And it goes till the song of ascents, which is the first verse of the next song. And the reason they didn't recite the great halal until they ate and drank is because the general principle is that we don't recite great halal unless we are... Benefesh seviah with a satiated nefesh i'm not sure the rambam is talking about a soul here he might be talking about a body nefesh can refer to body or life but samo, unless we're satiated we don't we're not in position to really recite halal HaKadol. I and i guess we're talking about a fast time so maybe people have not been eating very much the keres malaya, and a full stomach the Halakhaq Rabbi Eliezer and the Halakha according to Rabbi Eliezer. And that is the conclusion of the third chapter of Tani. So we began with the slow process of building up the fasts. We've ended with rain falling before the fast has gone out. And now in the fourth chapter, we're going to segue. We're going to drift into different kinds of prayer that are associated with fast days. And we'll see the connection very fast. There are three occasions during the year, three times during the year, when the priests lift up their hands four times during the day. And when the Mishnah talks about the priests lifting up their hands, they mean lifting up the hands and blessing the people. We're talking about the priestly blessing of the people. And what of these four times? They're at Shacharit, at Musaf, at Mincha, and at Neilah. Now, and this might be a little unfamiliar to us in the diaspora, because in the diaspora, the well, the priests don't lift up their hands except on Chagim. But in the land of Israel, the basic halacha is, according to is as we do in the land of Israel. In the land of Israel, the priests lift up their hands whenever there is a tefillah. So it will be at Shacharit and Musaf for example, on a on a regular day when there is, as long as there is Musaf. What about Mincha? Well, we have a tradition. I mean, it's not, a, it's more than a tradition, it's Halakha. The the Birkat Kohanim, the blessing of the Kohanim is taught next door to the law of the Nazir, who doesn't drink. And there is a Halakha that a priest cannot serve when he's drunk. We've learned already that priests will not drink alcohol when they're on a mishmar when they're on the group that are gonna uh, serve in the temple so we would not normally lift up our hands at mincha because we might have drunk for lunch but of course on a fast day there's no question of the priests being intoxicated because they're fasting so at mincha we can lift up our, the priests can lift up their hands and the same at Na'ilah, the same at Na'ilah. And the Mishnah goes on to explain, you know, what are these days? What are these 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 days when the priests lift up their hands four times, these three occasions, batanyot, uva ma'amadot, uva yom ha'kippurim. On fast days, on ma'amadot and on yom kippur. And the Rambam explains in um, Hilchot to filah that the sages did institute a prayer after Mincha, close to the sun, close to the sunset, on a fast day only, in order to increase to increase supplication and pleading. And we don't have this prayer now, or we have it, but only on Yom Kippur. But it seems as if in the time of the Mishnah, this prayer, this Naila prayer that today we only have on Yom Kippur, this would exist on any fast day. And the Jerusalem Talmud asks the question: Ad, and, and this question goes to the heart of the Naila prayer: Ad Naila, until when is Naila? Until what time can we recite it? Rabbanan, the Kayseri, Amrin, It Palgun, Rav, the Rabbi Yochanan. And the rabbis of Caesarea said that Ravi, Rav and Rabbi Yochanan disagreed. This is a disagreement also between Babylonia and Eretz Israel. Rav is in Babylon. And Rav said, mm-hmm. Rav said, when the gates of heaven are locked, N'ila means locking. So Rav says the locking refers to the gates of heaven. Rabbi Yochanan says, Rabbi Yochanan says, when the gates of the temple are locked. Maybe, of course, Rabbi Yochanan in the land of Israel is more sensitive to being close to the temple. Rav out in Bavel maybe is more sensitive to, you know, the heavens are essentially, they're ubiquitous, they're even in Bavel. And then Rabbi Yudan um, and." And Tordaya said that the Mishnah supports Rabbi Yochanan because the Mishnah actually refers to Na'ilah, to the locking of the gates. And We can't say that the locking of the gates, we can't say the gates are locked while it's still daytime. It has to be right close to sunset, as if to say the gates of heaven don't lock easily. And that's why we say, you know, the priest, well, anyway, that's why we have the additional prayer right at this time of day, because the gates of heaven are not locked easily. Now, the Mishnah then goes to on to ask, well, what are these Ma'amadot? We we said there are three times during the year when we have a Neilah prayer, and we've said they are on fast days, on Yom Kippur. So clearly on fast days that are not on Yom Kippur and on Ma'amadot. And we don't really understand these Mamadot, or we have touched upon them in the Mishnah of Megillah, but if we hadn't remembered the Mishnah of Megillah, we wouldn't remember the Mamadot. So the Mishnah is now going to explain them. Eiluhen ha Mamadot. What are these Mamadot? And it explains. It's a verse from B'midbar. Command the people of Israel and say to them, my offering, my bread for my sacrifice, the sweet savour to me. You shall guard. You have to guard the offerings to offer to me in its season. You have to guard this to offer to me in its season. And the Mishnah asks, heich, adam karev. how can a person's offering be offered and he's not present he's not present to guard it It doesn't work you have to be there when your offering is offered there's something personal there's a direct connection between the person giving the offering and the offering itself and he's not present he's not standing next to it the mishnah says Arba Mishmarot. So, how did it work? The former prophets, the first prophets, instituted twenty-four mishmarot. A mishmar is a word for guard, basically. So, the prophets instituted twenty-four mishmarot, and for each mishmar, I'll call mishmar umishmar haya amud Birushlaim. For each mishmar, there was an amud, and amud is a kind of post or a group. There was an amud in Jerusalem there was a a group in jerusalem of priests levites and israelites so this group went with was part of the if you like the the 24 mishmarot these 24 guards by the way are going to offer the sacrifices one in every 24 weeks so they're going to take turns and there's a group of priests levites and israelites so when the time for the mishmar comes, the priests and the levites they go to Jerusalem because they have to work, right? They have to offer the sacrifices. This is how we get personal connection to the sacrifices. The Israel mishmar and the Israelites of that mishmar the ones who don't have to work in the temple. Midkan Simla arehem vekorin vekorim maase the Israelites of that Mishmar, they assemble in their cities and they read the story of creation. So these are the Mamadot, these are the Israelites connected to the sacrifices. While the temple is operating on their behalf in Jerusalem, they are reading Ma'seb sheet they're reading the original creation of the world, as if to say, look, the world was created in order to serve God. And we will discover in the next Mishnah that while they're doing this, they actually fast. They fast on and off for practically the whole week. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.